This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. You are entering the Blaze Threat Ops Center. This is a secure space. All outside comms are down. Prepare to receive the Buck Brief. We're joined now by Hassan Hassan. He is the co-author of the 2015 New York Times bestseller, ISIS, Inside the Army of Terror. He's also a resident fellow at the Tahrir Institute for Middle East Policy. Uh, Hassan, thank you for calling. Hi, thank you for uh, having me back on. Uh, so tell us, the, the latest I'm seeing here is that the Aleppo evacuation is is not just underway, but is nearing completion. Uh, what is the, give us a sort of a status update on, on Aleppo, both in the humanitarian and then from the uh, military side. Well, so the evacuation from Aleppo, which, uh, or the eastern part of Aleppo, this is an area that, uh, the Syrian rebels controlled uh, since June 2012. So they, for, for nearly five years, uh, they had been in control of this uh, very important area, very symbolic uh, part of Aleppo. And uh, recently, with the support of the Russians and uh, Iranian-backed militias, uh, the Assad regime finally uh, managed to expel the Syrian opposition from there and finally force them to uh, evacuate or agree to uh, an evacuation plan. And uh, that evacuation uh, evacuation plan has been um, has been uh, you know has had some uh, setbacks, but uh, it's in like you said uh, in its final stages. Now, you wrote a piece in the Guardian, uh, Aleppo: Elegy for a Doomed City, whose history spans centuries. Um, and when you, you talk a bit about your time in the city, uh, pretty close to the the outbreak of of the civil war that's been grinding on, grinding on now for for years, if you could just sort of speak to the importance of Aleppo, uh, both for the the rebels, the anti Assad resistance, but also just in the history of Syria a little bit, so people get a sense of why this is such a uh, not just a humanitarian catastrophe, but a, but a psychological blow as well. Absolutely. So in uh, in the article uh, that I wrote, um, I I wanted to kind of go beyond the Syrian conflict Uh, because I think, you know, many people start looking at the Aleppo fall and what it means to Syrian rebels and whether this is the end of the Syrian rebellion or the beginning of the end and so on and so forth. But but, uh, the fall of Aleppo, the destruction uh, of the city, uh, has had also a deep psychological, profound psychological uh, impact throughout the region. People, uh, when they saw that uh, these militias coming from outside and uh, there's a superpower also helping uh, the Assad regime destroy the city, they started to invoke uh, history. And uh, it was easy to uh, draw historical parallels, for example, between Aleppo and Mosul. These two cities historically uh, were linked uh, in, in the minds of people. These uh, were controlled by a famous dynasty that uh, 
uh, laid the, uh, the groundwork for Salah al-Din to uh, conquer Jerusalem and, uh, and expel the crusaders and so on and so forth. So when they, when they see that Aleppo, uh, Sunni, predominantly Sunni area, being destroyed, and then they see also Mosul being attacked, there are different conflicts. Obviously, there's a medieval uh, group uh, ruling um, Mosul since 2014, and the Americans are helping uh, through a carefully planned, uh, or relatively, let's say, uh, plan to uh, expel and drive out, uh, drive out uh, ISIS uh, from Mosul. But people see different things. They see that there are two, two superpowers uh, helping in two conflicts against um, uh, areas that historically were uh, you know, seen as uh, seats of uh, Sunni uh, hegemony in the Middle East. And now these superpowers are enabling, in both cases, the hegemony of Iran in the region. So uh, it's, it's really profound. And I, I think I wanted to kind of highlight this uh, the, the depth of the psychological wound that people throughout the region feel. And also to highlight how what's happening today in Aleppo and in Mosul, although I have to emphasize that Mosul is a different conflict and different situation, but uh, I'm speaking from the perception of people on, uh, in the region. Uh, what's happened in these two towns will have uh, rep- repercussions for many years uh, to come. People will feel that uh, there is a uh, a uh, different geopolitical uh, order that's been uh, put in place and enabled by two superpowers, even though they're not working together, but they're working towards something, uh, one outcome uh, that's taking place. And, I, uh, you know, Aleppo historically was uh, more important than Damascus. Damascus is the capital of Syria, but his, uh, Aleppo was always more important historically, not, not because it, it was an important commercial hub, uh, for the region stretching from uh, Syria to uh, Iraq, uh, what's now Syria and, uh, and Iraq, but also because, um, you know, it was ruled by important symbolic, uh, symbolic like, dynasties uh, that had an impact uh, throughout, throughout the Islamic history. And uh, it also has, uh, you know, the, the areas that were destroyed in Aleppo uh, included, uh, you know, mosques, uh, mosques, uh, historic mosques, ancient mosques uh, built by uh, revered people uh, like uh, Nordin Zinki, who ruled uh, the area from Aleppo, uh, from Mosul to Aleppo uh, to Damascus, all the way to uh, Egypt. Um, so people saw the conflict in different ways, and I wanted to highlight that aspect. There's also the aspect that you highlight in your piece, which you uh, co-wrote, I believe, yes, with uh, with Michael Weiss, and we also know well on the show, that the fall of Aleppo is a huge gift to the Islamic State. I want you to try to walk us through that argument. Explain why that is. Yeah, absolutely. So in in May uh, this year, uh, Abu Muhammad al-Adnani, that's uh, the former spokesperson of ISIS, uh, who's well known for calling on attacks against the West and so on and so forth, um, and, and for you know uh, just just because it happened uh, you know yesterday the kind of the use of trucks uh, last year to to attack civilians and so on and so forth. So this uh, person came out in May to highlight a, a growing criticism in the Middle East against ISIS, which is that. Um, ISIS only brings devastation and destruction to Sunni areas. Uh, so they say, look, ISIS is not actually 
uh, helping us in any way. They control an area. Iranian-backed militias come to this area, destroy it, and then take it. So at the end, only uh, like Sunnis are only losing, uh, and their towns are being destroyed. And, and he came out, uh, and he felt compelled to come out and say, uh, look, uh, there, there's no precedent in Islamic history uh, that makes us think that we can withdraw from an area only because it's going to be destroyed. And there's no precedent that uh, we can do that to make sure that people in these towns uh, continue to support us. And they, uh, he, he says, uh, so basically that, that he, he felt compelled to do it. Uh, two months, uh, sorry, a few months later, when Aleppo is being destroyed. So remember, ISIS doesn't exist in Aleppo. ISIS doesn't control any area inside Aleppo. And yet, Aleppo has been destroyed in the same way that uh, other areas like Tikrit and Ramadi and so on and so forth were destroyed. So people started to question their criticism towards ISIS that, you know, Sunni areas have been destroyed. It doesn't matter with or without ISIS. And then uh, ISIS came and retook and recaptured Palmyra uh, last week. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a way for ISIS to really come back again after a series of losses and, and, and kind of a, a, a criticism mounting against ISIS because it only brought destruction. And people say, you know what, it doesn't matter. It seems it, seems it doesn't matter whether ISIS is in control of a town or not. There's something happening in both Iraq and Syria, and we are under attack. Remember, Sunnis throughout his, history, they were the dominant. They are the majority uh, in, Islam, in Islam. They are probably uh, 80 to 85 uh, percent of uh, Muslims, uh, you know, uh, across the world. So, uh, and in the region, they are they are majority. So they suddenly felt uh, they have this minority complex that they feel under attack. There are no countries that uh, stand up. Uh, to defend them and stand by them. Uh, and there's Iran, uh, you know, active in the region and supporting uh, and destroying, uh, supporting uh, their opponents and destroying uh, their countries. So uh, uh, also me, uh, you know, I and Michael wanted to highlight uh, the resurgence of ISIS uh, as, a, as a group that is still relevant and is still ben- uh, and can benefit from this. So I think the, destroy of, the destruction of Aleppo was a gift uh, to ISIS, for sure. What do you think the incoming administration should do about this enormous mess that is Syria and and the spillover into the region in Iraq and elsewhere, the effect it's had on Turkey, the massive dislocations of, of Syrians inside the country, and of course the refugee crisis that it's caused outside the country? Uh, half a million people are dead. You've got whole cities that are being turned to rubble. The incoming administration should do what? I mean, it would seem to be almost impossible to do worse on this policy than the current administration has over its years. Uh, what should the new administration do? What should the approach be? Exactly. I think that's a, that's a good point because, uh, you know what, I, I am a bit hopeful that the next administration would be uh, better. Not because the, you know, the current administration has done so badly that nobody can uh, do worse than that, but also because I think the, current, the next administration, from what I can see, from the, some of the appointments and uh, some of the nominations uh, that we have heard so far about, uh, they understand this uh, challenge uh, uh, that Iran poses in the region. So if they want to work with Russia, that's fine. Many Syrians want to work with Russia, but they want to define what, like, what working with the Russians means. Uh, working with the Russians to 
uh, protect civilians and make sure that Syria is stable. I think many people uh, would welcome that. Even uh, some of the uh, backers of the Syrian opposition in the region would welcome uh, a Russian uh, constructive role in Syria, as opposed to an Iranian role uh, in, in the region. And some people are, see, even Turkey, for example, they see a, a difference between uh, how Iran, uh, what Iran is doing in Syria and Iraq, and what Russia uh, ideally would want to do uh, in Syria and Iraq. They're, they're different, uh, or in Syria, at least, uh, uh, in the Russian case. And uh, and I think there's a, there's a chance if, if the next administration can separate this and, and, and work to emphasize that they want to salvage what's left of Syria uh, without uh, the hegemonic, hegemonic uh, kind of control by Iran. I think there's a big chance there. And uh, one of the one of the ideas we, pre- we presented, I and Michael, is that we look in Syria as, uh, as, a, as, a, as a, a fractured country already. So uh, instead of looking, Syria, looking at Syria in a holistic uh, way of saying, for example, we want to topple Bashar Assad or not, or we want to create safe zones or not. I think these are general uh, ideas that don't, don't uh, that ignore uh, what's happening on the ground. For example, well, uh, the way we look at it, just to give you like more details, if we look at Syria today, uh, the regime controls 40% of the country, uh, territory, territorially speaking, not uh, population. And 60% uh, of the country, what's left, uh, uh, the, the kind of the 60% of the country that is left uh, is really uh, our, is, is areas that uh, the Americans already have sphere of influence. These are areas where the Americans fought ISIS and cleared ISIS uh, from these areas, or they are in the process of clearing ISIS uh, from these areas. So the question would be whether the next administration would say to the, Ameri- to the Russians and the Iranians, okay, so we've done our job, we, clear, we cleared the areas from ISIS, and here you go, you can take it. I don't think the, the next administration will do that. I think the next administration will uh, will will say that we need to continue to control these areas in one way or, or another to make sure that ISIS doesn't come back. And based on that hope, I think there's a chance that at least 60% of Syria will be salvaged. So cutting the country up into pieces and controlling, I mean, essentially creating a safe zone, you, adv- you think that's a good idea? Uh, yes, but it, it's not. Uh, I mean, these areas, these areas are already safe zones. So the Americans would do, uh, will not have uh, like they won't have to do uh, more than what they are already doing. So remember, the areas where the Americans have fought ISIS, uh, the, the, you know, uh, these areas already uh, already have some American presence. Whether uh, you know they have special forces in some areas, they even uh, installed uh, a base uh, in northern Syria. And what we're asking for is that to turn this presence, which seems to be ad hoc or temporary, into something more uh, strategic to secure these areas. And even, uh, it's not a partition plan, but it's basically uh, trying to use these safe havens or de facto safe havens and, and turn them into something that works and then would be coalesced into whatever Syrians uh, decide to do in the future. So it's not it's not a, an occupation uh, or kind of pro- proposal uh, for the Americans to occupy uh, Syria. It's not a proposal for the Americans to send troops. It's not a proposal for the Americans to even dedicate more resources. What they need to do is 
to work with Turkey and with regional countries and say, you know what, this 60% of Syria can turn into a, 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 a you know good story. The alternative is Bashar Assad decides after he takes over all of northwestern Syria, which is Aleppo and a neighboring uh, province called Idlib, um, uh, to say, well, you know what, we're going to go to Raqqa and we're going to go to Deir Zor and we we'll go to eastern Syria where ISIS... Uh, uh, you know, work that's after the Americans clear ISIS, uh, clear that area from ISIS. And they say, you know what, we now control Syria. I don't, I don't think that will uh, will help Syria. That's, that's only going to be uh, bringing us back to uh, square one where ISIS starts to come back, where the Syrian rebels start to revolt and so on and so forth. So I think the best case scenario is for the Americans to say what, to say, uh, you know what, this is uh, the area, and we can decide how uh, these areas will be run uh, in the future. Hassan Hassan is co-author of ISIS Inside the Army of Terror. You should uh, read his latest. got a piece up. He co-authored with Michael Weiss on thedailybeast.com, and uh, follow him on Twitter. Hassan, great to have you, sir. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. The Buck Sexton Show. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-1645. 600-